struggled this morning with the uh, message that uh, I believe the Lord has laid on my heart for you. And uh, the last part of that psalm that you just read, the Lord that's in the midst of thee. We know we hold that promise for two or three are gathered in his name. He is here in our midst. It's an amazing thing to me that there are millions and millions of people today in so-called worship services. They're not meeting in his name. They're meeting in their own name, and he's not there. But we have a small group here, and yet the Lord of glory is in our presence, in our midst. He's here. So we have come to worship him today. And in worshiping him, I believe he led me to this message. I had a totally different message last evening that I wanted to bring for the Sunday school lesson. And this morning I woke up and it was just clear what the Lord wanted me to bring to you. Let's go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis, third chapter. In this chapter we have a bittersweet message. A bittersweet message in this chapter. In this chapter we have the fall of humanity, the fall of mankind into sin, death, and hell. And yet we have the promise of the Messiah out of the same chapter, bittersweet. What I want to talk to us this morning about is the subtlety of sin, the subtlety of sin. In verse one of chapter three and now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said unto the woman yea hath God said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden and the woman said unto the serpent we may eat of all eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God had said you shall not eat it neither shall you touch it lest you die and the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And the woman, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, and he did eat. And he did eat. We are all born into sin. There's not one of us that miss it. Our father Adam, when he took that fruit, plunged us all into sin, death, hell, and misery. There's not one person born in this world. My son, he's a year and a half old. But I know that my son is born spiritually dead. Nothing I can do for him. Nothing I can do for him. He's born spiritually dead. We're all born unless the Lord has mercy and reaches down in salvation. We are all spiritually dead in sins. In Romans 3, 10, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. No, not one. Wherefore, as by sin, by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. 
It's a very solemn thing. And you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. A very solemn thing to take into account the spiritual deadness of humanity brought on by one simple act of disobedience. One act of disobedience. God's justice was meted out on all mankind. And God is faithful to his justice. He is faithful to his justice. He can't be just and with, at the expense, he can't be merciful at the expense of his justice. He can't do it. If he does that, he ceases to be God. He ceases to be the God of the Scripture. For the God of the Scripture plainly tells us that he is faithful in his justice. And this justice is still meted out every day. Every day a child is born, the justice of God is meted out. He's dead. He's dead in sin. And those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know the scripture goes on to teach, and uh, you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, and we love that scripture, but God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love wherewith he loved us, and while we get sinners, Christ died. It's amazing. It's amazing. But this fact that we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ does not exempt us from trials and troubles in this life. Just because you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are a child of God does not exempt you from trials. As a matter of fact, let's go to Philippians chapter 1. You'll notice I'll, I'll turn to several places. I don't want anybody to mistake me, misunderstand me. So I want to try to get as many scriptures as I can to, to prove what, I, what I'm saying. Matter of fact, never take a man's word for it. <laughs> never take a man's word for it. Even though most of you know me and have known me for years, I would beg you never to take my word for it, but to search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures and see. Philippians 1, verse 29 says, For it is given unto you in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His name's sake. Wow. Wow. Wow, it is not only given unto you those blessed promises of salvation. The grace that is given unto you for salvation, that's given. And we love to speak of that. We love to speak of the joy of salvation. But we miss this little part here. It is given unto you to suffer for Christ's sake. It's given to you. Just like salvation is given to you, so is suffering. So is trials. So are heartaches. Those things are given. Remember, God is the first cause of all things. Nothing escapes his sovereignty. So when we're going through trials and tribulations, don't think for one second that God is not the first cause because he is. This life that we're given, we're given also to suffer. And, and the purpose for our suffering, of course, is to be conformed to his image. We know that we're predestinated to be conformed to the image of his dear son. That's our purpose. That's our purpose. And in the mind of God, yes, it's already accomplished. But I don't think at this present time I'm glorified. You know, in this body, I'm not. It's already going to come to pass. I know it is. Just like in Joshua, he said all that he had swore to the people came to pass. Joshua 21, 45. All came to pass. And soon that will come to pass, but not at this present time. I still have sin. I still have sin. Every day I go through this life, I sin. 
I sin every day. But we're to be conformed to the image of his son. And that process is very painful. It's a very painful process. It doesn't happen all at once. We don't get saved. We don't, don't get saved. Don't, I don't like that terminology. We, don't, we aren't saved. And then all of a sudden, boom, sin evaporates. And we have this nice, perfect body that we live in. And we walk around this world perfect. And we don't sin anymore. Don't believe that lie. John dispels that truth real quick. He says, you know, if any man say he's not sin, he made God a liar. He, God is not a liar. We are sinners. And we still continue to sin. We have Paul struggle with that nature, that sin nature. He, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Ooh, I feel that. Don't you? Don't you feel that? I hate my sin. But I'm still a sinner. I'm still a sinner. And... Believers, if you are truly a child of God, you have a real enemy. A real enemy. Do not let this world deceive you into thinking Satan is a myth. That he's some fictitious character. That he just represents evil. No, my friend, he is the very epitome of evil. He is the very absence of God in his heart. Somebody said to a professor, a professor wanted to make himself, uh, like they always want to do, they always want to make them look, look better than everybody else. And he was to his students, he wanted to disprove God to his students, so he said, does evil exist? And one Christian boy stood up and said, yes, evil exists. And he said, well, if God exists, and he created all things, and God created evil. The boy couldn't understand that. He got silent. He said, ha, I just disproved it. Another Christian stood up and said, well... Professor, does uh, darkness exist? He goes, well, of course it does. He goes, I beg to differ. Darkness does not exist. He said, you can't measure darkness, can you? We can only measure darkness by how much light is in the room. We can measure light. We can put it through a prism and see it's different, different things. We can't measure darkness. We can't measure how dark a thing is unless we see light. And evil is the same way. Evil is just absence of light. It's like darkness. It's the absence of God's presence. And in Satan, there is no presence of God. He's absolute evil. And he is out to get you. He can't get at God. But he can get at you and me. And he will strive to do so. Yes, he may not take our soul to hell if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, but he will do everything he can to discredit God in the sight of his children. He will do everything he can to try to make you an example for everybody else to blaspheme. He's very evil and he's very real. Don't think you're more powerful than he is. Your God is and your Savior is and you look to Christ you have all the strength and power you need to overcome the enemy. Oh, but when we try to overcome him ourselves, we find out real fast how evil and how dark he is. We find out how real fast how weak we are in ourselves. Our mother Eve realized too late that this serpent, Satan, is subtle. He's not boisterous. He doesn't come out Right off the bat, 
like most people think and say, okay, let's join a Satanist cult. You know, we walk into a church, you have a preacher stand up, and he says, okay, well, you know, maybe we need us all to join a Satanist cult. <laughs> they don't do that. He doesn't come right out like that. He starts little by little. If you'll notice how he picked at our mother Eve. Be not mistaken, he knows the Bible better than you do and better than I do. He understands the scriptures better than we do. Imagine this. He went to the Lord Jesus Christ and debated scripture. <laughs> How bold is that? You don't think he's going to come to me and you? Of course he will. Of course he will. He'll ask us questions to start out. Yea, hath God said? Hath God said? To start by a subtle thing. Sometimes in our life, we look at the others out there in this life, and sometimes we think, well, man, they're having fun. You know, boy, we're sitting here, and we're reading the Word of God, and we're studying, and all those people out there having fun, enjoying life, living it up. Man, I'm stuck here, huh? That's Satan dangling it in front of you like a, a, a lure. You know how the lure dangles in front of you and it's real shiny. The fish looks at that lure and says, man, I got to have it. That's what he does with the things of this world. That's what he did with Eve. He started out real subtle. Here's his tactics. He starts by questioning the word of God. Yea, hath God said. Simple question. There should have been a simple answer. Yea, hath God said you should not eat a tree? No. He said, I can't eat of that tree. And that's it. And then leave. No, what our mother do? She wanted to sit and debate it with him. Children of God, the word of God is non-negotiable. <laughs> it's non-negotiable. Because someone puts you in a corner and you can't answer a question, it don't mean that what you weren't saying was true. If it follows along the word of God, you just don't know. And sometimes, like our mother Eve, she was backed into a corner and she wanted to defend the word of God in her zealousness. She defended the word of God. But what'd she do? What'd she do? She added to it. She added to it. The, our God stated in the previous passage, you shall not eat of it, and for the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. But what our mother Eve said, God has said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. She had in her zealousness, in her piety, to defend the word of God, she went a little bit farther than God said. Don't go any farther to defend the word of God. Let God's word speak for itself. It doesn't really need you <laughs> to defend it. It does a good job of itself. It's been here for over 5,000 years, and it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. You don't need to defend it. Let God's word defend itself. It does a great job. If you start defending it, there's the kink in the armor. There's where he tries to get in, right there. And that was his end point. That was his end point. That was his end point. Do not add to the word of God. You add a burden on yourself when you do that. You do. Eve added on to herself a burden she couldn't bear. She couldn't bear it. She added works to it. She added more work than what was on there. Isn't that what the Pharisees did? They had the law. They couldn't keep the law. So they added more works to it. 
And that's what we do sometimes. We try to add in our defense of the word of God. We add to it, and it's an end for him. It is an end for Satan to get inside, to start to, to dwell in your mind and make you think about things that aren't true. And next, when he has that end point, he'll out now deny the word of God. He'll say, God's holding something good back from you. Isn't that what he told him? Let's go ahead and read that. Go back over here and read that for you. It says, For God doth know in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You shall be as gods. That's why I don't want you to touch it. That's why I don't want you to eat it. Because he knows, he knows that it's good. You know, and he wants to hold that back from you. Oh, man, sometimes we look at the world and don't. It happens to every one of us. It happened to Asaph in the, in the Psalms when he said, I look at the wicked and I envy them. Remember that scripture where he looked at the wicked and he envied the wicked because they, they had all this wealth. And the children of God were suffering. And he was, he was envious of that. He wanted that. And sometimes in our sinfulness, we desire the things of this world and this life. We look out there, and they're having all this fun, right? Having all this fun. Man, God's holding something good back from you. That's the only reason. That's the only reason he's holding something good back from you. It's what he told our mother Eve. He said, God knows you'll be gods, knowing good and evil. Oh, man, he's just holding back. You got a little girl there. And uh, as I read this scripture, I thought about my son. I thought about it as a, I my Sunday school kids. I thought about them. How do I want to raise my son in this world? You know, there's a, uh, when I was raised, if you were to go out on a date and, and kiss a girl, that was okay. That was acceptable. I'll tell you what, you're opening the door. You're opening the door for that. Drinking, you're opening the door. No, any of these things are by themselves are harmless. But in the hands of the great deceiver, they're not. I know of a brother right now, because of drinking, that he is in a great peril. He's in a grave. No, he didn't lose his soul. But his, but his family is torn apart in misery and pain. And he said it couldn't have happened to him. He said it couldn't happen to me. But I'm here to tell you that sin starts out doesn't start out that way. It starts out in small increments and it gets bigger and bigger and pretty soon it's blown out of control. And the consequences of your actions are still left for you to bear. i got to move on. I go on and on about this. Let's go ahead and go to our example. David. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Always remember as you go through life, Satan is your enemy. He's real. He's real. And he's out to get at God through you. That's his whole purpose, 24-7. He doesn't sleep. He's not omnipresent, but he has people working. He has people working. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we have an example of a believer, David, 
who was a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. God revered David and honored David. David's faith was renowned. I, I read just a, a, the other Wednesday nights of little children about David and Goliath. And you guys, if y'all listen to Todd, he preached on that subject. I don't know if you were there or not. Preached on Goliath. 11 foot tall. Here's David, a young boy, going out to face that evil man. And in the power of God and in the name of the Lord, he destroyed that great giant. What great faith. What great faith the Lord has given him. But here we have David. Now, and the scripture says, and it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings went forth to battle, that David sent Joab, his servant, and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon, besieged Reba, and David tarried still at Jerusalem. We as believers come to church and we go home the same way we came. The gospel has not impacted us to go and fight. And it's given over to us laziness in the matters of the kingdom of God. If you come to the worship service and you go home the same way you came, the gospel has not affected you. David got lazy. He got lax. This was a time when kings went forth to battle. But he sent who? Joab. He sent Joab. As we in the military used to say, he's back in the rear with the gear. That's where he was. He stayed back there. Oh, man. He got lazy and lax in his duties as king. And then what happened to him? And it came to pass at eventide that David arose off his bed and walked up to the roof of his house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is that not Beersheba, the daughter of Eliam? the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came unto him, and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned to her own house. And the woman conceived and, at, and sent and told David, I am with child. Mistake number one is he got lazy in the fight. Believers don't get lazy in the fight. You are still in a spiritual battle no matter how old you are or how young you are. Sometimes we, as believers, I, I believe that the Lord saved me years ago. But we as believers, we, we come to church and we listen to the gospel and we love to hear it. What are we doing in this matter of battle? Do you come to church arrayed for battle? Do you come to church arrayed for battle? Believe it or not, just because you're in a church building doesn't mean Satan's not here. Don't, don't, think, don't be deceived that this building's some kind of barrier for him. Matter of fact, he's in most churches today. So don't think it's a barrier. Don't become lax in this duty of coming to church and to hearing the gospel as David did. Otherwise, this thing comes to you. Mistake number two is he, he looked. He looked upon the woman and coveted her. 
He not only looked, but he stared. And he took it in, and he thought it, and he embraced it, and he nurtured it. When a sin comes to your mind, you cannot control that sin. I understand that. But when that sin comes to your mind, you better mortify it quickly. Mortify the deeds of the body. That's what the Scripture says. I'm talking to believers. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, none of this is going to do you any good. No works are going to save you. I'm talking to believers here. I'm telling you that you don't need to be lax in your battle against the enemy. And I'm telling you that when you take in these thoughts and you mold them over in your mind, don't think that they're not going to grow because they still have something to hold on to inside of here. When, when Satan, he uh, went to Jesus and he started uh, tempting our Lord, there was nothing in there to grab a hold of, was there? He couldn't tempt him with anything. He was sinless. There's a lot to grab a hold of in this heart. I hate to say it, but it's true. There's so much for Satan to grab a hold of, and I pray that God would defend me. There's so much evil in this heart. And if you're lax, it's the time he enters in. And it's the time he lets you mull over those things in your mind. And that's where it started with David. He took that thought and he embraced it. Proverbs says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee the forward mouth and the perverse lips, far, put it far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let not thine eyelids, let thine eyelids look straight before me. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left, nor uh, remove thy foot from evil. He's saying keep your eyes focused on where you're going. Don't look to the side. Don't look to this world. Don't let those things enter into your mind, believer. Because that's Satan's playground. And he did here with David. You know, it really amazes me that when the Lord said, Peter, behold, Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. He didn't say, I prayed for thee that Satan wouldn't sift you. He said, I pray that your faith fail not when he does. Imagine that. Imagine that. Peter and his boastfulness. I will serve you to death. Peter, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Told him. And he still did it. Because his laxness. He didn't look to Christ. He looked within himself to hold on. He looked within himself to not deny Christ. He didn't look to Christ. And that's what David here is doing. He's looking within himself. And he sees this woman and he molds over those thoughts. Sinful thoughts entertained lead to sinful actions. Don't make a mistake about that. They will lead to sinful actions. If they're not cut off, they will lead to sinful actions. And I'm talking to believers. Was not David a believer? Did he entertain this thought of the woman? Yes, he did. And it led to a sinful action. David inquired after her. And then he sent for her. And then he lay with her. You see the process? 
see the process, look, inquire, have her over for dinner, lay with her. Sins committed. Don't let that happen to you. It may not be lust. It may be something else in your life. We all have a sin that easily besets us. It stems from unbelief. But we're all prone to something. Don't give in to it. And when she returned, when he lay with her, she purified herself and she returned to her house. Sin finished. Nobody knew about it. I got away with it. There's David's thoughts about the whole situation. I did sin, but yeah, I sent her home. She's back, and man, everything's good. I got what I wanted, and now then, nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about it. I got away clean. Wrong. (laughs) Wrong. And the woman conceived and sent and told David, I'm with child. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm found out. I'm found out. What can I do to cover this up? That's the next thing. That's the next logical step. Look, entertain, sin's actions, boom, you're caught. Now then, what do I do to get out of it? Oh, man, I'm in a fix now. Notice still, David's not looking to God, not looking to God for help. He's still looking in. And he says, here's what I'll do. I'll get Uriah. I'll bring him in. I'll get him drunk. I'll make him go home, be with his wife. That way, you know, it looks like it's his child. Got that planned out, don't I? Uriah comes in. <laughs> he has dinner, tells him to go home. says, Lord, I can't go home with all of my brothers out there in the field fighting the battle, and I'm here in the kingdom. How can this be? I'm going to stay here. Uh-oh. <laughs> he didn't fall for it. He didn't fall for it. And you know how much that must have pierced David's heart when he said, how can I go home when the men are in battle? Don't you know David would have pierced through his heart because that's where he should have been in the first place. He should have been on the battlefield. He should have been out there in the fight. But David gets him drunk, and he, he still doesn't do it. And the only thing David's left with, man, i got to kill him. Imagine that. A child of God committing murder. Do not think it is not past each and every one of us to do the same thing. Everything in Scripture is written for our learning and admonition. Learn a little bit about yourself here, myself here. We are capable of these atrocities, these evil sins to God, and yet we are a child of God. Breathes my heart to know that I am capable of such an atrocity. We all are. Don't think you're too far above it. And the day you think I'm saved and that's it, I don't sin no more is the day you fall. Let a man take heed, lest he fall. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Don't think yourself more highly than David. Don't look down your nose at people that have sinned and fallen into sin, but restore such a one with love and meekness because you could be tempted and you could fall. He 
kills Uriah, nothing escapes the eye of God Almighty. You can have your sin in your own little corner, in your own little room. There's nothing escapes the vision of our God. David thought I got away with murder. I got away with it. But the scripture says, And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David done displeased the Lord. He saw it. And he saw it all. So don't think you can go in your own little corner sometimes and commit your own little sins. And just because you come to church and nobody else knows about it, my friend, God Almighty knows about it. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that would grieve your heart. You would grieve. As you'll find out, our, our model here did, David. When Nathan came to him and said, David, thou art the man. Did he make excuses for his sin? No. When he knew in his heart that God knew, what did he do? He bowed before God and he says, I have sinned against Uriah. No. I have sinned against Bathsheba. No. Who did he sin against? God. He sinned against God. And it grieved him. And he repented of his sin. And turned to God. And what did Nathan say? He said, David, fear not. For thy sin hath been put away. Thy sin hath been pardoned. Joy, joy, joy. Now that nothing bad's going to happen to me. My sin is forgiven and everything's hunky-dory. I'm just going to live back. I'm going to go back to my kingdom and I'm going to be a king again. And everything's going to be fine. God forgive me and nothing else going to happen to me. Wrong again, David. Oh, the consequences of his sin were not put away. Yes, believer, if you believe in Jesus Christ, your sin is put away in the Lord Jesus Christ and His death is enough to put away your sin and all the sin that you've ever committed. But He doesn't always put away the consequences. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For that that a man soweth, he also shall what? love to hear the grace of God in my soul, but I'm telling you, believers, don't be mistaken that the grace of God is going to annihilate all the consequences of your actions. It's not. It's not. Don't buy into that. David. David. Consequences. I'll read them off to you. His baby died. God didn't kill his baby at birth. He waited. 
He waited until the child was older, probably about three, maybe four years old. And the Lord took him. He waited till David's heart got attached. And he took him. Consequences. Don't be mistaken. God took that child. Don't think that Satan took that child. God did. It says in Deuteronomy that I hold life and death in my hands. God took him. His sons committed incest. What a legacy, huh? His son Absalom committed murder, took his throne, and committed adultery with his wives on the rooftop of Jerusalem for all to see. What did Nathan tell him? He said, you've given God's enemies a cause to blaspheme. They looked at David's household and blasphemed God. God, whom we love, was blasphemed because of David had to have his sin. He had to have her. And look at the consequences. Yes, my God in his grace restored David to his throne. God in his grace brought David back to the throne and through his line as he promised came the Messiah. God took the sin that David committed and turned it into a great thing. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. I want us to all understand this, that you are in a spiritual battle. Put on the whole armor of God daily and fight. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't be lax. Don't entertain sin. It's subtle. It starts out small. But, oh, believer, the consequences are great. Yes, if you're a child of God, your sin is pardoned. But make, make no mistake, sometimes the consequences aren't. I pray that this is something we can think about and dwell on and meditate on. And I hope you don't go away from this place the same way you came today. And if you are strong in the Lord, if you are strong and, and valiant in fight, take the gospel outside this building and preach it. Preach it with your life. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to say it with your words. But say it with your life. Because you may be the only scripture somebody reads. You're it. You better fight the good fight of faith. Not for your soul if you're believed. I don't, I don't expect you to work for your salvation. But believer, I would grieve if I caused my enemies to blaspheme my God because of my wicked, evil sin. I love him. I love him with all my heart. love him and I wouldn't want anyone to blaspheme his name I pray it's the same with you may the Lord bless this to your heart